Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got a special guest on today. I don't think we've had an ambassador on. Joseph Sella is an American diplomat and political advisor. He served concurrently as the United States ambassador to Fiji and several other countries in that part of the world. He's heavily involved in Michigan politics. And he is the founder of the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Ambassador, how are you, sir? I'm very good, Tony. Thank you for having me on, especially as your first ambassador. (laughs) I like that. See, we're going big time here, uh, Ambassador. Big, big time. Tell us a little bit about your background. Certainly. So born and raised in northern Macomb County, eldest of three children. Really, when I was six or seven, I had the call to, I would be engaged in the arena of politics, public policy, government. Certainly my faith is woven into that as well. And that was the path I've been on and blessed to be on it. I have managed a number of campaigns, worked in the state legislature, worked for a former U.S. senator, worked for a former congressman, I have begun a number of advocacy organizations. And uh, proudest achievement is being a husband and father of seven children with my wife, Kristen. All right. We may share a little something in common. I am a proud Mount Clemens bather. So oh, I'm from no your area. Wow. Hey, oh, yes, I am. Oh, my goodness. Well, for another episode. Yes, indeed. Tell us a little bit about the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast, because that's a pretty big deal now. I appreciate it. It was really inspired by our evangelical brothers and sisters uh, who started during the Truman administration, Eisenhower administration, the National Prayer Breakfast. So it was uh, ecumenical, uh, Christian rooted, and it's been a blessed annual event since. I happened to be sitting at my desk in the year 2003 and reading certain exhortations from the late Pope John Paul II about how to spread the gospel in ways that are new and ardor methods and expression. And President George W. Bush happened to be at the National Prayer Breakfast at the time, and it was a thunderclap moment, Tony. And I thought, why not plant a flag for the Catholic Church, again, inspired by our evangelical brothers and sisters. And it has been a great event since, roughly 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people, up to 3,500 people each year since 2004. And it's a time for prayer and fellowship and hearing from different ministries that tend to our least of our brothers and sisters. Ambassador, what do you think about faith now? It almost seems to be a negative if a person claims to be a faith-based individual. Yeah, I think faith is certainly no longer, I think, the indispensable supports that President Washington said it ought to be in his farewell address. I'd certainly wrote it. I think there's been a wave of secularism sweeping the globe. You could talk about uh, origins and timeline and so forth. But I would be, I must say that I am heartened because where you do see pockets of faith, there's great devotion to it and really across the United States. So you hear people talking about a post-Christian Europe, post-Christian United States. So I do think, you know, God regrettably has been sidelined, I think, through some court cases and there's less prayer, I think, more brokenness in families. So it's, I would say, generally a spiritually impoverished time, but really, I think the optimal time during the various crises and challenges we're having in our own borders and around the world to really turn to God and embrace him and heed the advice of President Washington that he delivered in his farewell address. 
And the reason I bring that up is it seems like we're in a time now where if you're not for one, you're against the other, as opposed to live and let live. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. And that just goes across board, not only religion, but when it comes to trying to define a man or a woman, or if you want to drive an electric or gas car, we just uh, don't seem to find common ground much anymore. Yeah, I would say it's fractious times. However, I think in these times also, there are timeless truths that should be discussed, whether it's in the faith realm or in the realm of public policy and politics. I mean, there are honest debates that have always happened between reasonably prudent people. And it is throughout the arc of our history, Tony, as you well know, there have been more pitch times than not. You could say pre-Civil War, it was charged. You could say early 20th century, it was charged. You could say in the 60s, it was charged. And here we are again. So we've survived these undulations, and I hope and pray we will survive them again. When we come back from break, I want to talk to you about something that you were involved in in commenting on, and that is Alyssa Slotkin, the Chinese, the governor of the state of Michigan, and how our state seems to be allowing our land and other entities to be bought up by the Chinese. We'll do that next here on Media Business. I'm Tony Conley, and this is the Michigan Business Network. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Ambassador Joseph Sella. And I came across this news article. I scour the Wall Street Journal, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, just trying to learn and understand different points of view. And this was a Fox News story titled, Michigan Democrats Signed NDA Involving CCP Tide Company Documents Show contradicting past claims. And I want to talk about that with you, Ambassador. In the news, didn't discuss how the Chinese are buying up land here in our state near military installations. And there's a lot of folks who are not happy about that. Talk a little bit about this story, if you will. Sure, Tony. Happy to. In February of 22, our national intelligence agencies gathered a group of bipartisan state and local elected officials warning them that the PRC and the CCP, People's Republic of China, Chinese Communist Party, through private sector entities based there, were on the hunt to fashion deals in the United States with state and local governments. Fast forward to what's happening now. Two companies, one by the name of Goshen, the other by the name of Cattle, have worked with the state of Michigan and the state legislature, the Economic Development Corporation, to secure billions of dollars of funding, tax incentives 
to bring their battery plants into our states. One in Big Rapids, that is Goshen, and another one, which is a joint enterprise with Ford in Marshall. By their nature, Tony, they're high risk. They've been given 100% threat assessment for espionage emanating from them because the PRC national intelligence law requires PRC nationals based abroad to surveil, collect, and report as directed from the Ministry of State Security or whatever apparatus of their intelligence gathering operation. So really, Tony, all of this happened very hushed rush. They were papered over with five and 10-year non-disclosure agreements and not transparent and did not, people were operating outside of lobbying rules. In the state of Michigan, people are still operating outside the federal law of the Foreign Agent Registration Act. And there are multiple congressional committees now as a result of all of this, investigating them and in their nature of what they are doing, where they've been, and where they're going. And whether they would qualify for tax credits under the Inflation Reduction Act, which should be known by December. Why would Michigan Representative Alyssa Slotkin sign an NDA? Well, it's a good question. She's been asked that question a number of times, and there have been a number of different answers, regrettably. In February, I believe, when she was first asked about it by Beth LeBlanc at the Detroit News, it was an admission and then an explanation. Well, we wanted to learn more about it and how our state could benefit from this emerging technology. Well, it was irregular in that she, as a former CIA agent and national security official in the past White House, and as a member of Congress, would have been read in on the nature of the threat of the PRC and the CCP and their predatory ways. And to not even begin to think about touching such an NDA with a 10-foot pole. So it was rather surprising. I don't think it was the best judgment for her to do so and a staff member of hers. And I think all the more perplexing is really since February, between February, April, June, and August, there have been multiple different answers from either her office or her campaign office as to whether she, in fact, did sign the non-disclosure agreement or not. And in fact, she did through the Michigan Economic Development Corporation with Goshen. Now, this is perplexing to me because as we're recording this, the UAW is striking the big three. Yes, uh, there is a concern that we will lose jobs to AI. There's a fear that we will lose jobs if we really go to electrification of vehicles. And when it comes to these battery plants, it's perplexing that we won't want to just do that here in Michigan with just Michigan. So why are we doing this from your perspective and why would Ford be involved in this? Well, it's a great question. I would say, firstly, when EVs are manufactured, the projected labor pool needed to assemble is 30 to 40% less than it would take to assemble a traditional internal combustion engine. So this is a great question and particularly curious with Ford. Their CEO, Jim Farley, has told DC lawmakers that we have to do this deal with cattle. We must. We're so far behind. We'll never catch up if we don't. On the other hand, they just signed a massive deal with an allied-based country, South Korea, South SK Industry, to build two massive plants, one in Kentucky and another in Tennessee, involving 11,000 workers for the same purpose. So it's very curious that they're so insistently tied with the PRC CCP company. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Representative Slotkin, Governor Jennifer Granholm, Michigan, and China. And we'll do that next here on the Tony Conley Media Business Show. 
Hudson Air has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. Welcome back to Media Business. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with Joseph Sella about this strange deal that the state of Michigan is involved with when it comes to China, China-based companies, and what those companies plan to do here in the state of Michigan. And I guess it's a simple question. If we look at everything that we know so far, is it too far-fetched to think this is just about money and not really looking at the ramifications that could be had here. Tony, I would say that this was done with great haste, a lack of prudence, no patience, best practices were out the window, strict scrutiny or due diligence were not given, assurances given to the otherwise by the MEDC head, Quentin Messer Jr. So it is a particularly perilous time when it comes to the People's Republic of China, Chinese Communist Party, because they are on the hunt. State and local officials have been warned of these such deals. They're predatory moments, they're subnational incursions, and on their face, they're national security threats. Bill Levanina, who used to be the director of the NCSC, when testifying before the Select Committee in the Chinese Communist Party a few weeks ago, was asked by Congressman John Molinar what he estimated the espionage threat was of the PRC nationals that would be based there. And he went on to say 100%. Because, as I mentioned earlier, PRC nationals are charged, directed to spy episodically and could be on anything. It could be on intellectual properties. It could be on military bases. You name it. What I don't understand, and I know it's my job as a journalist to learn as much as I can about stories about this. But if we look at China, how we conduct business here and allowing them to conduct business here, you can't do that over there. Isn't there any grave concerns about that from the people involved? Is this a political deal? Is this a Republican-Democratic deal? What do you think? I appreciate you asking that very important question, and that is it's a bipartisan issue. And the national security providing for our common defense, which is the charge given to us by our founding fathers in the preamble to the Constitution, is a paramount concern. And there has been certainly a unique connection to China, I would say, that started with Nixon in the 70s. I would say kind of morphed in the 80s and into the 90s when they entered the WTO and their military started to grow. Consumers around the world benefited through their mass pools of labor and cheap products, whatever they may be. You can look at any store, any shelf, 24-7, 365 and see that. But I think we're getting closer to, we're in the midst of a serious look at the perils of this, whether it's IP theft and companies having to report who works for them, being subjected to espionage and that are based in China. In fact, I have a friend who had been in and out of Shanghai for work for a big company and he's not going back. He can't go back. A couple of years ago, he had told me that the company was beginning to pull up tent stakes and looking towards reshoring, you could say, Tony, or insourcing. And it's all a part of the de-risking that I think we have to seriously look at. And Congressman Mike Gallagher, who's chairman of the Select Committee, is leading the charge on this, along with his Democrat colleague, who's a great congressman, Roger Christian Wolfe from Chicago, are actively, aggressively working on this. They met with a number of Wall Street executives last week 
who said they would only speak with them if it's off the record. So it gives you uh, further insight as to the depth and the breadth of this intertwining that has happened in our country for a number of years. To our what I'm trying to learn also is there seems to be no concern about our borders. It seems like we need to close our borders to those coming in because of all the obvious challenges that we're having in our own country, especially with folks coming over the southern border. But with Chinese, it seems like everyone outside our political structure understands the dangers, but they don't understand it. And I'm perplexed by that. By they, you mean our country not providing for our common defense at the border? Correct. It's pretty self-evident. I'm not quite sure how the border is defined as being secured and you see a massive flood of unidentified people. It's not any particular race or geography, but they're coming from all over the world in an unchecked, unmonitored manner. So if there was any sort of real-time look any given day of the week of the common defense not being provided for, you need not look any further than our border in the Southwest United States. And really, parties really should get together on this. Again, this is another issue that is not partisan. It should be bipartisan. And it's perplexing why they're not able to come to the table. Again, I think it speaks to those fractious times we're in that you spoke to earlier, Tony. All right, Ambassador, two more questions for you. Why is this happening? Why is the southern border open? Why are we allowing China to come in here and do what they do? Why is this happening from your perspective? Is it all about money? Is it about trying to change the cultural diversity of our country? What do you think? It's a really good question. I think that with respect to the People's Republic of China, the Chinese Communist Party, I mean, they're very opportunistic. They are very intentional in seeking these subnational incursions to create influence operations, espionage moments, theft of intellectual property. We have two recent cases in Michigan where people were here connected to the Thousand Talents program. Both Americans as well as PRC nationals that were involved with it, they were charged tried and convicted and sentenced, and they're still in prison. So we have to keep our guard up. And Tony, with respect to the border, this is not a party issue. This is, I would say, it's laid at the feet of a host of administrations over time. But we, I think, made some gains in the previous administration, Trump administration, but perplexing why the common defense wasn't provided for by continuing the building of a wall is just a simple check. You hear of the law not being enforced. You hear of inadequate numbers of guards. I mean, these are serious questions that really legislative leaders need to come to get to with leadership emanating from the White House. And you really just don't see it, it seems, Tony. All right. We've been talking with Joseph Sella. He answered both my questions. Ambassador, I appreciate your time. We're going to be following this story. I know you will, too. I appreciate your time so much, sir. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, Tony. Thank you. God bless. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.